0: This is the first podcast that I'm recording to be put on our OCOI website. It seemed that it would be very logical to begin with God, since after all, it says in the Bible, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Now the thing that impressed me most In any books I've ever read about God either as the subject or just as part of it was Yogananda's true masterpiece the science of religion when I read that I realized I've never heard or read these ideas before this great master has a grasp that's beyond anything, even scriptures. I would like to read for you the first part of the book. This book seeks to present that aspect of the idea of the Godhead, which has a direct bearing on the motives and actions of every minute of our lives. Whatever conception we have of God, if it does not influence our daily conduct, if everyday life does not find an inspiration from it, and if it is not found universally necessary, then that conception is useless. If God is not conceived in such a way that we cannot do without Him, in the satisfaction of a want, in our dealings with people, in earning money, in reading a book, in passing an examination, in the doing of the most trifling or the highest duties, then it is plain that we have not felt any connection between God and life. What we conceive of God should be of daily, nay hourly, guidance to us. The very conception of God should stir us to seek Him in the midst of our daily lives. This is what we mean by pragmatic and compelling conception of God. We should take religion and God out of the sphere of belief into that of daily life. If we do not emphasize the necessity of God in every aspect of our lives and the need of religion in every minute of our existence, then God and religion drop out of our intimate daily consideration and become only a a one-day-in-a-week affair. In order to understand the real necessity of God and religion, we must throw emphasis on that conception of both, which is most relevant to the chief aim of our daily and hourly actions. Now that is absolutely incredible, isn't it? Truly, you know, they said about Jesus, No man spake as this man. And in our own time, we can say, No one spake as Yogananda spoke. This is certainly true. So let's try to see what we can get from this phenomenal amount of information. What is God? And the answer the great sages have given us is God is infinite consciousness. Now this is very meaningful. Because quantum physics has realized that everything in this universe is composed of vibrating energy and the vibrating energy itself is thought and the thought itself is consciousness. We are living in consciousness. In fact, there is nothing but consciousness. Therefore, we're living in God And there really is nothing but God. Everything can be reduced to that essence. Spirit, then, is consciousness. But so is matter. God is everything and the very basis of our existence, the root of our being. And therefore, not only relevant to every one of us, but the only thing that is really relevant. The universe is the face of God. Our life itself is God. God is our life. We exist within God, this divine unity, yet distinct from God. Krishna gives us the right perspective in the second chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, in the 12th verse, where he says to Arjuna, There was never a time when I did not exist, nor you, nor any of these kings, nor is there any future in which we shall cease to be. This is very important, because there's often the idea that when perfection is attained, the dewdrop slips in the sea, and that's the end of it, that eventually it's just God And any momentary appearance of a personality of an individual is just that. Only a momentary appearance. Krishna states very clearly that he, God, of course has always existed. But the individual souls, the jivas, have also always existed and existed as themselves. Their forms, that is, their vibrating consciousness can evolve and change and go from bondage to liberation. But that is not going out of existence. That's like saying that when an artist completes a work that it, is, it ceases to exist. There would be an absurdity. But a lot of modern mistaken, non-dual philosophy is absurdity, perhaps the ultimate word or designation of God, in Sanskrit, is sat-chitananda. Sat, existence itself, reality itself, chit, consciousness, and bliss. In other words, eternal conscious bliss. And we're a part of that. Without it, we couldn't exist. So the very fact we exist means that we have the traits of God, though in a finite way, not an infinite way. So then, as images of Satchitananda, we have three primal instincts. To exist, to be conscious and knowing, and to be blissful, not just happy, sukha, but anandmai, filled, formed with, Totally manifesting bliss. So the life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness that here in America we are so familiar with as a concept cannot exist outside of God. You you can't live. You can't have liberty. You can't pursue any happiness outside of God. Therefore, when we try to separate God from so-called real life, we immediately die to reality. God is ineffable and inconceivable. Therefore, God is unspeakable. But the great rishis of India have said a lot about God, including the fact that you can't say anything about God. This is part of the wonder of the East and the shame of the West. In the Anandamai ashram, there was a custom that when any ashramite or uh, yogi that was a friend of the ashram would leave the body, that there would be unbroken kirtan Of a particular song which affirms the nature of God and therefore the nature of that being that had departed. I remember taking part, singing in long shifts. For example, I remember when a great disciple of Holy Mother, Sri Sharda Devi, left his body. His name was Mukti Maharaj. He had been a senior member of the Ramakrishna mission for many years. And he lived and left his body in the Anandamayashram ashram in Banaras. I was in Hardwar with Ma at that time. I'm sorry, I was in Derudan with Ma at that time. And so we immediately began the kirtan. I won't bother you with my voice, I'll just speak of the words. 20, for 24 hours we would sing over and over three phrases taken from the Holy Scriptures themselves. First, satyam jnanam anantam brahman. Brahman is an ending conscious reality. And so also is the essence, the true self, the Atma of all beings. Then, second, Akam, Avram, Adwitium Brahman. God is one only without a second. This is a really important phrase because in the scriptures in the West, we we think maybe God is boasting or God is um, sort of pounding on his chest if he says, I am God, there is no other beside me. Because exoteric consciousness is, oh, that means he's saying, I'm the only God around here. There isn't another one. But actually, he isn't saying that. He's saying, of course, I am the one because there is no duality in me. But also, we are one. There is no duality in us. This is so important for us to grasp. And then, shantam shivam advaitam brahman. God is peace, all goodness and auspiciousness, and absolutely non-dual. That's why in the Gita, Krishna says, I see my devotee as my very self. And we too, once we're awakened, we will see God as our very self. It's sort of like the two mirrors placed opposite to each other, and you get all these infinite images of the same thing. So when God tells us through the prophet Isaiah, who, by the way, was a prior incarnation of that great one that we know as the Lord Jesus. God said through Isaiah, Isaiah, I am the first and I am the last. In other words, God is the beginning of everything and God is the ending of everything. We're going in a great circle. It may take many creation cycles. We came from the bosom of God. We entered into relative existence and we can live millions and billions of lives even. And finally, when we attain the evolution necessary for reunion with our divine source of which we were not consciousness in the beginning but now in the end we are and therefore we go back and we find that god is the end of the road he's the beginning and the end he is the same as he was we're now different at the first and now at the last what a great difference between us. And yet our essential being, which is consciousness, has not changed. This is a mystery of real life. Now then, if this is soul, obviously God comes first. And his Sister Gyanamata, the greatest disciple of Yogananda said, and God alone. This is logical because If God is everything, he's going to be the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and on to infinity. That's why it has been said, if you don't offer God first place, you offer him no place. And this is one of the important things in this beginning section of the science of religion. In other words, God is not only the most important thing, but God is the only thing. And if we have that real view, not just an intellectual concept, but if we begin to really grasp this truth, which can only be grasped by a purified and expanded consciousness, then naturally we will start to become like God. Children want to be like their mother, they want to be like their father. Then once we get a little older, we want to be like people that seem important to us, whether they're baseball players or or movie stars or, or great philosophers. And our very admiration and our very concentration on them makes us start to absorb some of their qualities. When we realize this essential need for God, that's where we can begin to get real religion, because the Master Yogananda said, we need to conceive of God and we need to conceive of religion. What is religion? It comes from the Latin word religere, which means to bind back, to return and fix and establish something in its origin. Now religion is mostly a collection of, a popular religion that is, of mythologies and interpretations, most of which are superstitions. Real religion has to bring us to God and place us back into the bosom of the infinite. Now that being so, we should be able to detect a a gravely mistaken statement, which I have heard even yoga adepts say, namely, yoga is not a religion. The truth is, yoga is the only religion that exists. All the others are philosophies, their speculations, their ideas, their stories, but they don't take us back to God. A friend of mine said that uh, he always thought that after after death the people would find themselves on a path and they'd go along the path for a while and then they'd come to a point where the path branched and went either to the right, went to the left. And that on the right side of the path and the left side, there were huge billboards. And one billboard would read, This Way to God. And the other billboard would read, This Way to a Discussion About God and that the vast majority of people would take the road to the discussion and comparatively very few people to meeting God. This is just what yoga is all about. It isn't really to rejuvenate our wrinkles or to help us just feel peaceful and manage to fill the orders better if we are working at McDonald's but to take us to infinity, the very view, the very experience which yoga is after has been expressed very beautifully, interestingly enough in the West, by St. Patrick, the great evangelizer of Ireland, who wrote a poetic mystical formula called a lorica. A lorica means armor or Breastplate, it's quite an amazing, uh, quite an amazing statement of spiritual consciousness, rather lengthy, but it ends with this, though I'm paraphrasing, but it's basically what he is saying, God with me, God before me, God behind me, God in me. God beneath me, God above me, God on my right, God on my left, God when I lie down, God when I sit down, God in the heart of every man who thinks of me, God in the mouth of every man who speaks of me, God in the eye that sees me, God in the ear that hears me. Now this is absolute non-dualism, isn't it? It's pantheism that everything is God, God is everything. What a wonderful, wonderful goal. This is what yoga is all about. That's why the great masters have said, despise the cities, Despise all these powers. I remember a saint uh, who was very popular, even here in America, and who established quite a few centers, gave many talks unfortunately he's left the body by now and one time we were actually having lunch somewhere and he looked at me and very seriously he said you know swamiji what is despised by the saints and masters of india are just about the only things the people want me to talk about over here And he didn't say that to criticize, he was actually lamenting it because he loved people and he was so sorry that they were willing to take a handful of husks in place of the real food of life, in place of God. But here we see St. Patrick is saying, everybody I meet is God, everything I'm going to see is God. I'm with and in God, which means we should always feel at peace and feel confident and not worry. Can I make it? Can I do it? I remember before I first became a yogi, I thought, oh I'm no, I will be a dud. I won't be able to do all those things. I won't be able to do these different practices. I'm not going to have any of these experiences, etc. etc. But what I didn't realize Was yoga was real and if you hit your uh, toe against a stone you feel it you find it's real and so was yoga though it was a blessed pain erasing reality so this is it we have to have an understanding of god and an understanding of religion which means as krishna said to arjuna therefore arjuna Become a yogi. There it is in the sixth chapter, the 46th verse of the Gita. That's the essence. The truth is, if you lost everything but that, that would still make it the most important book in the world, virtually. Therefore, become a yogi. And I knew a great yogi who had managed to truly enter into and express his own divinity. And that was Swami Shivananda of Rishikesh. And so let's think, let's look at what he said in a poem he wrote called Only God I Saw. It's rather a lengthy poem, but we can get the idea just in the final three verses. When I surveyed from Anandakutir, Rishikesh, by the side of the Terry Hills, only God I saw. You see, when you're at Shiva Ashram, which is clear up a hillside, you look th- toward the town, the sacred city of Rishikesh. There also on the side of the hills, and he only saw God. He continues, in the Ganges and the Kailash Peak, in the famous Chakratirtha of Naimisharanya. also, only God I saw. Like camphor I was melting in his fire of knowledge, amidst the flames outflashing, only God I saw. My prana entered the Brahmarandra at the head, then I looked with God's eyes, only God I saw. I passed away into nothingness. I vanished. And lo, I was the all-living. Only God I saw. I enjoyed the divine Aishwarya, all God's vibhutis. I had Vishwa Darshan, cosmic consciousness. Only God I saw. Om Tat Sat.